0: Welcome back to Who's Talking. He's one of the most recognizable actors on television, but after playing an iconic character, he found himself typecast and out of work, ineffective effect, a victim of his own success. Now, after a stunning comeback, he's in the third act of his celebrated career, spanning more than 50 years. You've had a few clunkers oh, in recent years. You think? That's not perception, that's reality. I'm feeling stronger than ever now in my life. How would you rate yourself as a chef?
1: Why, I'm not doing that (laughs) with you, Christopher Wilder.
0: Henry Winkler, welcome. I am genuinely excited to have you here.
1: Well, I'm genuinely excited to be here with you, to tell you the truth.
0: I wanted to talk with you. Yes. Because I think that you play one of the most interesting funny characters on television wow. right now Thank you. the acting coach Gene Cousineau yes. on the HBO series uh, and Barry. Barry
1: and Cousineau comes be, uh, that was the name of Bill Hader and his wife's uh, uh obstetrician
0: <laughs> okay I did not know that yes Dr. That, Cousineau that enriches the series for me let's take a look at Gene Cousineau in action
1: okay Barry you want to be an actor mm-hmm. you better get out of your own way okay Life is about taking a risk, making the unsafe choice. Okay. All right, here's a little story just to illustrate. I once auditioned for the guy that robbed the house on Full House, and I carried a loaded Beretta with me into the audition just to feel the weight of it. Wow. Did you get the part?
0: Oh, they freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> it is, I love the show, and I love you in this Thank show. You. Now, who is this guy?
1: This guy is a, a a compilation of somebody that the writers were writing about, who taught here in L.A., and the fourteen teachers that I had over my uh, school career, from college and graduate school.
0: When you say that there's a person specific that they had in mind, the writers were writing about. Yes,
1: the, uh, one of the writers' wives went to this particular class, uh, and all I will say about him, I believe that. You know, when you're an acting student and you're in the beginning of your career, you are earning money. You're a barista, you're washing dishes, you're you're buying food, your rent and acting class. And I think that he would pressure his students into buying his original art. Really? I mean, yeah. that was
0: kind of part of the price of admission.
1: I imagine and I thought that's all I need to know about this particular guy.
0: So, you say it's also a compilation of a bunch of acting teachers, yes. coaches that you had. Yes. Were they really that bad?
1: You know what? It, uh, it's not a matter of being that bad. It is a matter of teachers um, uh, of acting are a very strange um, breed. And th- th- a lot of them think they have to tear you down in order to build you up. One of my teachers, uh, you know, I am dyslexic, and so I cover my inability to read off the page uh, when I'm doing a script with humor. I just make it up. And I was um, being a clown in the class, and she said, Winkler, you're trying to undermine my class. Now, first of all, I didn't know what she meant. Second of all, I, I didn't even have a self yet that I could be so clever as to undermine anything. Uh, I thought, well, now I'm going to be thrown out of the school.
0: You have said that of all the things you've done in your career, and you've done a lot of things in your career, and we're going to talk about it, that this is the best. What is so special about playing Gene Cousineau in Barrett?
1: There is an expression that if it ain't on the page, it ain't on the stage. And Bill Hader and Alec Berg... Liz and Duffy and Justin, uh, they write and give you such a a jumping-off place. They give you such a blueprint in order to create your character. And I'm telling you that it's just magnificent to be... There's also a policy of no assholes on the set. And for the four seasons... They have kept to that.
0: So, you got the role of Gene Cousineau yes. at age 72. Is there
1: wood? I'd like to knock on wood.
0: There's no wood here. Okay, I'm Sorry. Go, I, when I get home. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, you got the role of Cousineau at 72. You got the role of the Fonz. Yes. Arthur Fonzarelli at age 27 yes. is a certain Just, kind of... Yes. Amazing. And here's the question. Here yeah. you are, a Jewish upper-middle-class kid from right. Manhattan. Right. By, we by,
1: lived above our means. I just want you okay. to, well, to know that. Okay, well,
0: that's good. That's okay. It still counts. Okay. Uh, r- by your own admission, riddled with insecurity. Yes. And you get the role of the leather jacket wearing tough street, Italian street kid. Yeah. Let's take a look back at you as the Fonz. Okay.
1: I'm the Fonz. <laughs> that's it. You're the Fonz. That's right. I snap my fingers. Girls come running, you know.
0: I love watching you watching that. So how does that happen that Henry Winkler from Manhattan becomes Arthur Fonzarelli the Fonz? The epitome of cool.
1: Because I trained for many, many years to be an actor, and I got to play somebody I wasn't, somebody who I wanted to be, and it was so much fun. They are still my family. Um, all of the people who are uh, who have survived uh, are still very, very close. We are um, incredibly friendly.
0: But uh, you know, I understand it's acting, but. I would strike me that an insecure kid from Manhattan to play the Fonz is... It was
1: shocking to me because they wanted a taller Italian kid. They got, you know, this short Jew from New York. But <laughs> well, all I did, Chris, all I did was change my voice. I, I introduced myself as Henry, and then as I started to do it, something overtook me. It was like a dybbuk was in my body and I changed my voice like this, and it unleashed me. You know, like you're very lucky. I'm here talking to you.
0: And and had you planned that, or did I it... did not.
1: I didn't know that it was going to happen, and I just went with it. And that is what I was able to do as an actor, but not able to do as a human being. I just went with it in my profession and in my life. I was uh, a bowl of jello that had not congealed
0: yet. Just before the millennium. Yes. TV Guide does a, a ranking of the 50 greatest characters in the history of television right. so far, and the Fonz is number four. Okay,
1: is, let me ask you a question. You know who wrote that? I'm going to go looking for them. What do you mean number four? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but here's, here's the, the, the question. Personally and professionally, yes. what was it like to suddenly be such a big star, an iconic figure in American culture?
1: Insane. It was insane. I, I've, I've, I don't know if I'm right, but I, I figured out that there is an emotional component that is missing when you have some sort of learning challenge. You have such a little sense of self. And that, that um, very fact helped me deal with what other people were saying. They couldn't possibly know what they were talking about. I am this person who is totally um uh without self without uh, so you uh, didn't
0: get swept away by it is what you're saying you didn't
1: it, I, I was not allowed to be swept away because i I couldn't buy in that this is me and i I want to say I am grateful because I have seen so many people i one of the 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 things that i i um Stuck to the credos. Well, I did not want to be a flash in the pan. I did not want to do this one show, which I loved, this one show that gave me uh, access to the world, and then go home, like the you know, like the the magician flash paper. You light it and right. yeah. I didn't want to be the. Whoosh.
0: That was a very Jean Cousineau moment. Yes, yeah, that was as good. As well. So let's talk about an, an iconic scene. Of the fond. I just
1: want to tell you, as Gene, I could give you tips <laughs> on being a. Uh, an I'm sure anchor. you
0: can. I expect notes by the end of this interview. Oh, they're going to come. Okay. In an email. Yeah, the Beretta. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, Beretta that falls That's apart. a very funny thing. <laughs> so, you know, for folks who haven't watched it, let me just say this is really good. And one of the things that comes out, you say the the the, the rule on the set is no no assholes on the right. set. But the fact is, Gene Cousineau, as he gets success, he's, it turns out he's an utter asshole. And yes. he has had a run in and pissed off and screwed over everybody in Hollywood.
1: It is true. It is unbelievable. And Every so,
0: time you go into it, like the, uh, the, the, the dinner party with Joe Montana, and Mantegna. suddenly there's this girl. Is that Laura San Giacomo? It is. Wow. It is. I, I recognized her and I was quite proud of myself. So in any yeah, case, she, had- uh, it, she then tells a story how you ruined her career. Yes.
1: And not only ruined her career, but what was what was cut out of that particular um, monologue, yes. I had a child with her best friend.
0: Oh, no. We didn't. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, hello. Is that coming up in season four? It is not. So <laughs> let's talk about a scene from 1977, The Fonz. And yes. this is the scene where you are challenged to water ski over a shark that is great premise, been penned in yes. next to the beach. Right. Let's take a look back we This is literally the scene that, yes. that from which we derive the expression, jumping the shark. That's which John right. John Heim,
1: means, a student at that time at Michigan, uh, came up with his roommate, came up with the phrase, jumping the shark.
0: And the idea is that something becomes a parody of itself. Right, or
1: has outstayed its welcome.
0: Right. So right. my question is, yes. when they told you to do this scene, right. did you think to yourself, this is really dumb?
1: No. That, uh, my job is to do the scene. My job is not to uh, judge what I'm doing. Uh, I love playing this character. I was a water ski instructor. My parents, my father, uh, said to me, Honest, tell Gary Marshall you water ski. Dad, I'm not going to tell him I water... No, 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 tell him you water ski. I told Gary Marshall after being just beleaguered, beleaguered into doing it, um, and uh, that happened. Now, when you see me come up on the beach, I'm smiling when I step out yeah, of the yes, water skis. Yes. And I go, <laughs> half of that smile is Henry going, oh, my God, you did it. The other half is Fonzie going, hey, look at that, you did it.
0: So the the series ends. You know, you say jump the shark, but it went on for another seven years. Yeah, it's still it's a, a big hit.
1: Absolutely.
0: 84, the series ends. Right. And... You say that you were so typecast yes. that you couldn't find work as an actor. That's true. How bad was it?
1: It was so bad that not only what could I not find work, but I was sitting at my desk at Paramount and I literally thought, am I ever going to find anything with as much impact as the Fonz? How will I know? Will anybody ever ask me? I'm not getting any offers. And that's when I started to produce. And MacGyver was the first show that uh, John Rich and I uh, sold to ABC. And
0: did you find as much satisfaction? I did not. (laughs) I didn't even get the question. I know,
1: but I did not. I I didn't like producing.
0: Okay. During this fallow period, you do get offered a part. You get offered the part of the lead in Greece. Over, over John Travolta before John Travolta before John Travolta. Travolta. You turn it down. I did. Are you a damn fool?
1: Yes, I am. Because I I only realized afterwards, years afterwards, I thought I've played the Fonz. I don't want to do it again. I'm going to cement. It has already happened. I'm already typecast. I should have just shut up and had a really good time making that movie. Right. Now I go home. I say no and I have a Diet Coke. John Travolta goes home and has done the movie and buys a plane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you work your way back into acting yes. and your big because
1: will uh tenacity is one of the most important elements of being on the earth in this galaxy. I couldn't this, agree more. In this galaxy.
0: I, I, you know, if people say to me, what's the secret? And I always say, it isn't intelligence. No. It isn't talent. It's energy. It's perseverance. i don't not smart enough to use the word tenacity, but that's what it is. If you just try harder than other people... You're going to be fine.
1: It is really the truth. And, and here's the thing. I had a wonderful teacher, Bobby Lewis, who was a member of the group theater in the 30s. He really a, a, a man of the theater. He was my teacher. And he said, your job is to get the job. Do not worry about doing the job. And it is the tenacity of being told no falling down, getting right back up, and continuing forward.
0: This brings us to the other big story of your life, which you've made brief mention of, and that is dyslexia. Yes. And you went undiagnosed until you were age 31. Yes, that is true. So you got bad grades in school. I did. I'm in the
1: bottom 3% academically in America quantified.
0: Well, that's something to be quite proud of. I, I mean, that's, I'm, you know, I'm, it's I'm not, you're not average. I'm, no, I'm overwhelmed. Exactly. Yeah. You, you struggled in school. Yes. And your father, if, this, if I get this right, dismissed you as a dumb dog. Yes, that is true. Yeah. How tough was that? First of all,
1: I didn't want to be stupid. So I thought, I don't want to be stupid, but everybody is saying I am. Number two, it was hurtful. I swore, as I was lying in my bed on 78th Street in the west side of New York City, dreaming of being an actor, I also thought, if I am ever a parent, I will be completely different.
0: Than your parents were. Than here. my
1: parents were. In because, look, I understand that no one understood dyslexia when I was growing up in the, in the uh, 50s and the 60s. But you look at your child, you're connected to your child, you say, there is something going on here. And with compassion, I don't know what it is, but it is my job to figure out something to help this human being who is too small to take care of themselves. And was there no
0: compassion from your mom and dad?
1: There was very, very little. I, you know, I, I tell the story at that time, we had a television that was in the same box with the radio and the hi-fi. And it was tubes. They would go out, and when they came home, they felt the top of the television. And if I didn't turn it off in time, it was still warm, and they would have known that Duma Hunt was watching TV instead. Hunt
0: is... Dumb dog?
1: Dumb dog. Instead and and of- so
0: literally, you're sitting there trying to outsmart your parents. They're out for the evening. Yes. You're watching TV. Ah, I better turn it off at 9 o'clock because they'll be back at 10. And the TV top of the TV can't be... Warm. And what happens if they come home and the TV is... I'm warm.
1: grounded for even longer. I I don't get my allowance. I can't go to the movies on Saturday. Whatever was the craziness in their head. But... I. I could, I could sit at my desk and try and get geometry from now until the end of days, and it's not going in. And my joke is, you know, I, I speak publicly, my, uh, and I, I tell the audience, I graduated high school by uh, the thread that holds your button on your shirt <laughs> from that day until today sitting with you here in the studio. Nobody has said hypotenuse to me.
0: No, I, I often think that too. There's a lot of stuff that one learns in school that's awfully important and absolutely Worseless. useless for the rest of your right. life. So explain, because I've I've got members of my family who have dyslexia, but I don't fully get it. What what did, what do, if they still do, the words on the page, the It's sentences. Not just
1: the words, Chris. First of all, it's hereditary. So the people who were yelling at me, berating me, gave it to me. That's number one. Number two, it, is, it, it comes in every form. It is physical. It is um, perception. Uh, I learn through my ears. My eye and my brain are not friends. I don't have great eye-hand coordination. I did not play sports. I was a water ski instructor. Uh, I was, uh, archery, I was pretty good at archery, but that was it. I never played ball until the Happy Days softball team. It is wiring in the brain. Some people don't have penmanship. Some people don't hear what is being said. They can't process what they're hearing. It takes so many different forms.
0: And when you finally, in your 30s, realized this was a physical condition and... You know, I was berated, I was dismissed. How did you feel?
1: Angry. All of that grounding, all of the yelling, all of my feeling so bad was for nothing. It was for Then I started to understand that maybe if I was not dyslexic, if I didn't fight through the, my, my
0: challenge.
1: If I wasn't tenacious about it, I wouldn't be sitting right here, right now with you.
0: You say that to this day, sometimes you can memorize an entire script. Yes. And sometimes, to use your words, I hate my brain. Right.
1: Oh, we're driving home from a Saturday night. Stacy and I are in the car. We're driving down our street. And she says, are you going to turn into our driveway? And I have missed the cues. It looks different to me with the shadows. I, I literally, my brain just sometimes smacks me with a wet noodle.
0: So how do you learn, you know, you have big, long speeches in... Barry as Gene Cousineau. How do you, know you learn what, that? It,
1: you know what? It, is, it depends on how well it's written. I have uh, a monologue in the fourth season that...
0: Don't tell us. No. Don't ruin it for but us. But
1: it will, it will take a moment to memorize, but it will be easy because it flows right. like a river.
0: And sometimes as you're doing a long monologue, will you just sort of lose it and you'll just make up? I've done that. And, and is that...
1: I auditioned for the TCGs, the theater, um, uh, the, the theater community for... Uh, you used to go to Chicago and audition for all of the um, regional theaters okay. in America. I went and I took a, a, uh, a modern piece and I took a Shakespearean piece. That was the, the deal. And I did Launce and the Dog. I don't even know what from what play... And I started, and I made up the story of Launce and the dog, and I got three offers.
0: All right. I want to end, we sort of done this, but on a couple of personal notes. Okay. You don't have to do much research about Henry Winkler to come across the phrase, I'm serious, the nicest man in Hollywood.
1: I don't believe I am the nicest man anywhere. I believe I'm grateful. I am grateful to be on the earth. I'm grateful to be living the dream I had in Manhattan. I'm grateful for my family. I, and out of that gratitude comes, I'm just happy to be here. I swear, I, 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 that's, you've, being nice, I don't, you know.
0: You've had a pretty blessed life. I, I mean, have a blessed life. Like everybody, life. there have been ups and downs. I want
1: that wood again, Chris. Where is that wood? <laughs> Next time I come here, I need it like a piece of wood.
0: Second question. Yes. Here you are, a nice Jewish kid from Manhattan, and you're a an avid fly fisher. <gasps> what are you doing in the streams in Montana?
1: Okay. I am communing with the most gorgeous nature. I am, it's like a washing machine for your brain. Like, no, there, oh, there, there, there it is. It. Oh, yeah. I'm Stacy. Yes. My wife is yes. a great fisher person. Oh, my gosh, she oh, catches... Can't you
0: call her a fisherman?
1: Yes, a woman. But whatever it is, she's great at it. Okay. Okay. But, oh, there's one of my biggest uh, trout. Um, uh, oh, wait for uh, it.
0: That's, I, we were told you wanted that picture.
1: Yes, uh, 24 inches long. That is a fish of a lifetime. That, you know, that's hard to catch. That guy is only 21.
0: <laughs> and what is it about it that you like?
1: every single thing. I, when, the only advice I give to people who are going to think about it or going for the first time is you can learn to cast in one half hour. You perfect it for the rest of your, your life. Look up. Look to see where you are. It's gorgeous. There are our, the eagle, the, the, the bird of America flying overhead. The mountains, the clouds are as big as a skyscraper. It's just... The, the, sh- the other thing,
0: I, and I've not fished very much, Yeah, uh, but I've been in those streams, Yeah, the sound.
1: The sound is the most pleasing sound to mankind. Rushing water, I believe at 80 decibels. That's why those pocket parks in New York with the, yeah, the, yeah, the, the, yeah. Uh, the fountains... Are, are really, no, it doesn't have to be big, it's the sound that blocks the rest of the city out. 80 decibels of water just cleanses your soul. Finally. Yes.
0: I understand. Can I have this cup? I have to, I can't give you permission by oh, myself. Oh, okay. But
1: What do I have to do, put it in writing?
0: Well, no, well, it's, I, I don't collection. know if we got more than one cup. If oh, we're right. in kind of a tight You know what, I don't and...
1: want the next guest to have like paper.
0: <laughs> okay, or wood. Anyway. I want the wood. I understand yes. that you like to post on TikTok with your six grandchildren. My oh. And we got one example. Okay.
1: Hi, I'm Henry. This is Francis, our <gasps> strawberry song. Strawberry, strawberries, you are red. You have little seeds and green on your head, right? Yes. I want to tell you. That is our youngest granddaughter, and I want to tell you how important that song is. She is with her mother in Europe. Her mom is a a wonderful actress, Jessie, and she's doing a movie. Her husband, my son, our son, is in Vancouver directing. We FaceTime with that little baby. Now, before the baby left, I sang that song to her and the Apple song. Apples
0: are red and apples <laughs> are green. We had that. I had to make the, the command decision. Are we going to run the strawberry okay. song or the apple song? I went with strawberry.
1: So I sang these songs yes. to her from the moment I held her in my arms right. until she left. And when she hears me sing the song over FaceTime, I get a big smile. Otherwise... There is so much time, we've missed so many you know, um, firsts, uh, but we have the song that is our connection. So that song is like so important to me.
0: Henry Winkler, this has been a joy. Thank you. And, and I, hate, I, hate, too. I hate to insult you, but I think you may be the nicest man in Hollywood.
1: I don't take it as an insult from you.
0: And we're gonna have you back. We're gonna have a piece of wood. It's all gonna be good. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Can I keep the cup?
0: We'll talk. Henry Winkler has overcome the odds to find success as an actor, author, and advocate. Throughout his long career, he's shown, yes, tenacity, and grace. Now with his latest role as the hilarious but maddening Gene Cousineau, it's clear that for Henry Winkler, happy days are here again. Thanks for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN. And keep streaming anytime you want right here on HBO Max to find out who's talking next.